Welcome to night number three. <laughs> Look, these guys, did you hear that? You probably didn't hear that. He said, next week is pizza. <laughs> but I got to tell you this, we're not having pizza next week. We'll have something better than pizza for you. We are going to feed this army and it won't be pizza. Can I get an amen? So I hope that's okay. We'll, uh, we'll have something a little tastier than some cardboard. <laughs> well, welcome. Let's just start by praying. Come, Holy Spirit. We are so aware of your presence in this room. And I, I see this picture in my spirit of you smiling at every man. Even the men who don't feel like they deserve it, you lean in extra close and smile at them because you delight in every man. Every man belongs here. So thank you for these men. Thank you for these great men that you have crafted, that you have formed, and that you have filled with your spirit. Speak to us tonight, Lord. Give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. Well, let's just recap. Uh, before we dive in here. So the first week, we were talking about how generous God is with the giving of the Holy Spirit. And what we can learn to do is slow down in daily life and learn to just welcome him. Come, Holy Spirit. Whether we're with our family or whether we're working, no matter what we're doing, just come, Holy Spirit. I invite you into that, uh, into that situation. Then last week, we talked about how uh, we can learn to recognize what God is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing, and then begin to get in alignment with this Spirit. And one of the things he's always doing is he's looking to strengthen, encourage, and comfort people. And so when we look to do that as believers, we're actually coming in alignment with what God is doing on any given day. And so tonight, I want to talk about staying in alignment with the Spirit or yielding to the Spirit. How often in your walk with Christ have you faced a situation where God wanted you to do something that you really didn't want to do? Am I the only one? You're looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. Or you really want to do something that he's saying no to. That happens all the time for us as we walk with the Holy Spirit, as we keep in step with this Holy Spirit. And so one of the things that we can grow and mature in is our willingness to yield to the Spirit. I like the phrase that Paul uses in Galatians 5. He said, uh, keep in step with the Spirit. I encourage you, jot that down. Keep in step with the Spirit. This is what we're called to do as we live life in the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit to empower us each and every day. Now, sometimes this is, this is challenging. It's difficult to keep in step with the Spirit. It's difficult, let's be honest, to yield that kind of control up, right? Any other guys have a hard time giving up control? There's kind of a murmur. I was thinking about this this week as I was praying and thinking about this message. God reminded me of a story. And uh, when I was engaged to be married to Ashley, uh, my mom came to us and said, 
I will give you a large sum of money if the two of you will learn a ballroom dance and then perform that ballroom dance uh, at your wedding rehearsal. And so I'm thinking, dancing, ah, money, yes. (laughs) It's like, mom, you had me a large sum of money. Count me in. And so Ashley and I showed up for our first dance lesson. And one of the first things the instructor did was he looked at us and he said, okay, Gabe, you're going to lead. And so Ashley, you need to just keep in step with where Gabe is leading you in this dance. Now, what the instructor didn't realize is that my wife had been dancing her entire life. She came out of the womb moving and shaking. And what he didn't realize is that I hadn't danced a day in my life. I came out of the womb wrestling, ready to wrestle. So if he wanted me to like show a headlock to her, I could do that. But I can't can't teach her the cha-cha. But here I am in this situation where I've got to teach my wife. I've got to to keep her in step with me. And she was actually on a national championship dance team. So when I say she's danced her entire life, I mean, she is the real deal. And so we started, and she was just being patient, and she was being gracious as I was stumbling all over her and stepping on her feet. And she let me come to the conclusion on my own that the wrong person was leading the dance. <laughs> and she just gave me that look. It's, it's probably the look that God gives us sometimes. Like, are you ready for me to lead? And so I said, Ashley, I'm, you're trying to keep in step with me, but I don't have a clue what I'm doing, so you lead the dance. And what do you know? It started to work. When... I allowed the person who was qualified to lead to actually lead, it started to work. And I think that's a picture, too, of life. Because, again, as men, oftentimes it's like we want control. We want this sense of control. And it's like, Holy Spirit, if you can keep in step with me and just kind of follow me and make sure everything goes well with me, then everything will go well with us just got really silent. (laughs) But we got to be careful that we don't settle into a life where we're expecting the Holy Spirit to keep in step with us. Because he's the one that's qualified. He's the expert at everything. He is brilliant at everything. In every single role you have as a man, the Holy Spirit is a genius at that very thing, at being a husband, at being a father, at being a business leader. Whatever you're doing, whatever your hands are doing, the Holy Spirit is a genius at that. And he's saying, hey, let me teach you. Keep in step with me. Let me show you. And as we learn to yield that control to him and keep in step with him and follow him, there's going to be really good fruit that starts to appear in every area of our lives. Now, Paul has a lot to say about living by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. He uses that phrase a lot in Galatians 5 and in Romans 8. And in both of those cases, in in Galatians 5 and Romans 8, Paul is contrasting life in the spirit with life in the flesh. 
And so let's read this passage together. Let's actually read quite a few verses. We're going to have these on the screen. But Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, Paul writes, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now pause right there. That's what I want to lean into tonight. This idea that as we walk by the Spirit will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit who will empower every single one of us as men to actually overcome the flesh. He'll empower us in our struggle with the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, there it is again, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. It's almost like he said, I can continue here if you really want me to. No, we we get it. We're, We're tracking with you. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So right there in that passage of Scripture... Paul used these phrases. He said, walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And then in Romans 8, he wrote, by the Spirit, put to death the misdeeds of the body. Paul is making a big deal about the role of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the flesh. And this is, this is a key point I want you to catch, that the Holy Spirit is to play a central role in our struggle with the flesh, not a side role, a central, front and center. He plays a crucial role in our struggle with the flesh. You know, Jesus, I love what Pastor Matthew was talking about, about the power of the cross and the power of the blood because this is central to our faith. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, absolutely defeated the power of sin. He went, from the, he went right for the jugular. He wasn't messing around. He ripped in and just ripped the heart out of sin and death. He won. Isn't that good news? He won, man. He defeated sin. And it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us and enables us to experience that freedom in daily life. And we need the Holy Spirit if we are to live in that kind of victory. Without the Holy Spirit, we're fighting a losing battle. 
Yes, Jesus won, and he sent us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live a life of victory. Now, what might this look like in daily life? What might this look like in your life, in the areas where you struggle? I think one way this looks like is that as men, we can learn to invite the Holy Spirit into the messy and dark places of our lives. Invite the Holy Spirit into those very places that we're tempted to want to hide. Those places where we think, I can't let anybody see this, and I don't even want God to see this. Those are the places where he leans in and says, yes, I want to come to that very place of your heart. I want to come to that very part of your life. I sat with a man not too long ago who, he said, I, he said I've got a lot of places in my life that are messy and dark and sinful. And he said, I sense Jesus knocking and wanting to come into those areas but I don't want to invite him in until I get it all cleaned up. And once I get it all cleaned up, and once I get the furniture rearranged and everything dusted and cleaned off, then I'll open up the door and say, Jesus, look. It's looking pretty good, isn't it? But the reason this is is backwards is because the only one who can come and clean it up is the one who's standing at the door. And so he's saying, I want to come in. He leans in. His heart breaks when he's held at the door. And we do it because we're afraid. We do it because it feels vulnerable. And he knocks and he knocks. And he's saying, if you'll let me in, you will be stunned. Your breath will be taken away because of my kindness, because of my compassion, because of my grace. I'll come to those places and I'll come with my kindness and I'll come with my love and I'll come with my healing hands but he wants to be invited into those places that we're tempted to hide. Let's look at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's what? There's freedom, come on. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And when he comes in, this is what he does. He brings liberty. He brings freedom. He brings transformation. So those are the places that we need to invite him in. The places that actually need the healing, that need the freedom, that need the transformation. The Spirit brings liberty and transformation into every place He's invited. It's who He is, it's what He does. Now, here's the second thing we have a role to play in the process of transformation. We have, a, we have a part to play in it. We don't say, okay, come on in and see you later. I'm out. No, he says, no, 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 I'm here. I'm here with my love. I'm here with my kindness. And you're going to play a part in this. 
We have a role to play. And one of the key ways we participate and cooperate with what the Spirit is doing in our lives is when it comes to the mind. In fact, in Romans 12, Paul writes, be transformed. Again, he's going back to this idea of transformation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And one of the reasons the mind is so important is because the mind oftentimes dictates the direction a man will go, like a steering wheel. If a man sets his mind on one thing, what's going to happen? Oftentimes, he's going to begin to move in that direction. And so over and over again, the scriptures urge us and and command us to be intentional with our thinking, intentional with our mind. In Romans chapter 8, there's a connection here between living by the Spirit and the mind and what we set our mind on. Let's look at this. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Again, it's like driving. If you let go of the wheel, if you're driving down the interstate, now you never do that, right? Because you're responsible drivers. But I have. You know, I've driven and I let go of the wheel sometimes. And you know what the vehicle does? Because again, you haven't. I'll tell you, the vehicle starts to drift towards the ditch. And so I've got to grab the vehicle and bring it back on intentionally. I've got to set the steering wheel a certain way to keep me out of the ditch. And with our mind, we've got to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. We've got to set our mind on the Word. We've got to set our mind on God. We have to steer our mind. Otherwise, if we fall asleep at the wheel, our mind is going to go to the ditch. And so this is what Paul is saying. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Renew your mind. This is how you cooperate in the process of transformation. We have a part to play. So I want to ask you a question that I ask myself often. I check myself with this often. And the question is, is where has my mind been lately? What have I been filling my mind with in this season of life? One of the reasons it's so important is because what we fill our mind with is what we begin to hunger for. It's the appetite thing that Paul is talking about. The spirit has an appetite. The flesh has an appetite. What we put in our mind oftentimes determines what appetite we're going to grow and what we're going to become hungry for. And I believe God is saying, be very careful what you put in your mind. And so I want to give you a question and challenge you to take this question to the Lord this week. It's an honest question. And I believe if you'll take this question to him in an honest way, he'll give you an honest answer. And the question is, is, Holy Spirit, is there anything that I've been putting in my mind that you want me to stop? Is there anything that I've been putting in my mind that you want me to stop? And don't rush past it. 
Take your time with it. Come back to that question later this week. Let God speak to you. And here's the thing. Once he speaks to us, then we have the choice to yield to him or not to yield to him. But in a way, he's giving a stop sign. And if we blow past the stop sign, there will be a consequence. I think we overlook this sometimes. When God puts a stop sign for us and we blow past it, there will always be a consequence. I see this play out all the time with my kids, but one example is we have a pond at a, at a park near our house. And last winter, the pond uh, was frozen over, and there is a giant sign right on the edge of the, the pond that says, stop, stay off the ice. And so I walk with my kids to the pond, and what do they want to do? They want to walk out on the ice. And I said, well, look at the sign. The sign says, stop. He said, Dad, can we go? I said, no. Well, come on, Dad, just a little bit. And they're testing me. Do you have kids that test you? And so they kind of step out here on the ice and look back at me like, what's going to happen? And I just begin to kind of see what they're going to do. I've already given them the command. And they take another step and another step. And this is no exaggeration. At about the fourth step, it starts to crack. And their eyes become as large as bowling balls. And they come sprinting off the ice and right back to me. And I just smiled. Told you. But there is a reason why I'm telling you to stop my daughters and my son. It's because if you blow past that stop sign, you're not going to like the danger that you find yourself in. There's a reason why. God has given us stop signs. And so may we learn to pay attention. May we have the humility to ask God to show us in fresh ways what those stop signs are. And may we yield to him and obey. And here's the last thing I want to point out tonight. Yes, there are stop signs and they're critical. But Christianity is not one giant stop sign. There is far more to the Christian life than trying not to sin. I hope you catch that. This breaks my heart. I see this often as I sit with men and listen to them talk. It's it's easy to fall into this pattern of living, just try not to sin, just try not to sin. I just got to make it through the week. I got to make it through the month without sinning. And it becomes this big thing. It's like, I got to make it five days. Don't. I made it. 12 hours. And and it's like this idea of God, God becomes theory. And the thing that becomes so front and center is trying not to sin. And I think God would say there's so much more than trying not to sin. There's a much larger picture. There's a much larger story than just trying not to mess up. The larger story is, wow, we get to walk with God. We get to know him. We get to taste and see that he's good. It's like we actually get to partake in the goodness of God. And he invites us continually, walk with me, walk with me, walk with me. I want to put another picture before you. 
as a, as a, as a metaphor, I've got a little puppy that loves to go on runs. It's her favorite thing to do. When I say, let's go on a run, she just flips out. And, uh, but what, what also happens on our runs is that she chases rabbits. But she's on a leash. And so this happened over and over again when we would go on a run is, hang on a second, let me just move this. Because every time I look at you guys, it starts to squeak here. But what would happen is every time that I would take her on a run, she'd see a rabbit and then boom, just rip my arm out of its socket. And so I, I had to get savvy with her because I realized her instinct is so deep in her, it's like her flesh. Like her instinct, when she sees a rabbit, she's going to go for the rabbit. And I'm not going to convince her. I'm not going to sit her down and say, Riley, listen to me, you puppy. Chasing that rabbit is not good for you. You're not going to catch it, and you're just going to come back empty-handed, kind of like sin. I'm not going to convince her of that, and so I had, I had to get savvy. And so what I learned to do, and this has worked so well, when we see a rabbit, and I see it coming, and she sees it coming, she starts to kind of lean for it. And what I do is, like, Riley, look at me, right here, right here. And she goes, Whoa. I say, this way, come. And she comes. And that smile comes back on her face, and she's back with me, and we run, and then she sees another rabbit, and she starts to kind of go this way. I go, Riley, look at me. This way. So what I do in those moments, I'm calling her back to me. I'm calling her attention back to me, and then I'm pointing her in the direction that we're going. But what would happen? How crazy would it be if that silly little pooch came to believe that the whole purpose of our runs was just not to chase bunnies. She would be missing the whole point. The point is, hey, let's go together and have some adventure. I need to run. Come on. Let's go. That's the point. It's being together. It's the joy. It's the richness of being out and adventure. And oh, by the way, Rabbits are a small part of it. But I think this is a picture of how the Holy Spirit leads us. Is as we go through our day, right? We have these little things that catch our attention. Oh, oh. And I believe keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, part of it is this. The Spirit says, hey, right here, look at me, look at me, right here, this way. Come, come on, come on. Oh, look, over there. Oh, come here, come here, right here. And there's this continual redirection that the Spirit does. He redirects us back to Him, back to Him, and He shows us where He's wanting to go. And from time to time, after I know that Riley really uh, uh, warded off temptation, I'll just say, sit, and she'll sit. And I'll just start scratching her stomach and saying, oh, Riley, you're the best dog. And I just want to love on her. And I was doing this recently. It was a picture. I was like, Riley, just look at me. Look this way, this way. Sit. And I said, I love you. And I sensed the Holy Spirit show up in that moment. Who would have thought? A man and his dog and the Holy Spirit. And I sensed the Holy Spirit say, you know I do this with you, right? It's this picture 
that he says, you know, there's a lot more than not chasing rabbits. Yes, it's a temptation. Yes, it's the pull of the flesh. But look at me. Walk with me. And from time to time, slow down and let me just love you. Let me delight in you, my son. And that is precisely what he speaks over every single one of you. You're my son. I love you. Keep in step with me. Remember what Paul said? Walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because what we'll come to discover is that walking with the Spirit is so much better than the futility of sin and the illusion of sin and the temptations that constantly barrage us each day. Walk with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. And you know where he's going to lead us? He's going to lead us deeper and deeper into the goodness of God. He's saying, you know what? Yeah, you don't want to eat that, but I'm going to give you something much better. Because the Christian life really is about feasting on all the right things. And the more we learn to feast on the right things, on the presence of God, on the word of God, on the goodness of God, that's going to grow our appetite. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That is the invitation of the Christian life. Would you close your eyes and join me here in a few moments of prayer? You know, in Isaiah 55, the, the scriptures state, listen, listen to me and eat what is good. I just picture God raising his voice and proclaiming that invitation till the ends of the earth. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And in this moment, this is just between you and God. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you do anything. This is completely between you and God. But if there's anything that comes to your mind or your heart where you realize, I have been feasting on that, and that is not of God, and that does not satisfy, just between you and the Lord right now, just confess it to him. Repent. The kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And in just your own words, ask him to teach you how to feast on what is good. Ask for his empowerment in a fresh way to help you taste and see that the Lord is good. Ask him to increase your appetite for him. To grow your hunger for him.
Father, you are so good. You are good to the very, very core of your being. And may we, as your sons, may we learn how to taste and see that you're good. May we learn to experience your goodness. May we develop more and more of a hunger for you, an appetite for you, Lord. We repent that we so often go around in the back alley dumpsters and look for scraps when there is a table at the seat of the Lord and an invitation and on a smile on the face of the Father saying, come, come to my table and enjoy what I have for you. And so, Father, help us to keep in step with your spirit so that we will not gratify the desire of the flesh. As we go through daily life, continually call to us, call our attention back to you, back to your presence and back to where we're going. Restore the joy to us of our walk with Christ. I feel that really strongly. Let's just stay there for a second. I believe the Holy Spirit is pointing out that, that some men in here have lost the joy of walking with Christ. And if that's you, just confess that to him. Again, this is between you and him. Just confess, Lord, I have lost the joy of walking with you. Restore to me the joy, the deep, unending joy of fellowship with you, of walking with you. And one of the things I believe God is wanting to say to us is, I'm better than you think I am. Yes, Lord, we believe. We want to believe. Help us to believe that you are better than we think you are. Help us to grow in our understanding of your goodness. Let this not just be a a few words about the goodness of God. Let this change us. Let this ignite something in us as men, a hunger for the things of God. This is the last thing I'm going to have you do. Just with your eyes closed, just put your hand right over your heart. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Father, empower me to guard my heart. Teach me to guard my heart. Teach me to guard my mind. Help me to fill my heart with the good things, the goodness of God and the word of God and the truth of God, the presence of God. And may that be what flows out of us, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. Amen.